Alexis Presidential Podcast Series. We are excited to have Dr. Susanna Baxter, President of LaGrange University, as our guest. Um, you know, who, who are the mentors that have shaped you along your, your journey? Wow, a number of them. Uh, the first one that comes to mind is Dr. Khan. He was chair of the philosophy and religion department at Pfeiffer, where I did my undergraduate work. And he took great interest in me. Um, he was the type of faculty member that would sit in the cafeteria and eat with students. And you counted yourself fortunate. It didn't matter if you were a student athlete, uh, what color your skin was, what, whether you're a religion major or not, uh, you wanted him to sit at your table. He was just that kind of personality uh, that you, you gravitated to. And I think it's because he listened so well. Uh, and uh, he really got to know me and then pushed me. Uh, I wouldn't be where I was today if it hadn't been for him. So he pushed me to think broadly, to push the boundaries of what I thought was possible for my life. Uh, and to stretch and was a faculty member that I uh, stayed in contact with. Um, he has since died, but he and I remained close over the years. And so that was somebody that I could check in who would again push, the, um, push me forward into thinking uh, more broadly and bigger. And so really credit him as an early mentor of mine. And then I've had a number of other um, individuals, primarily women, uh, that um, I think of one, uh, Diane, who is um, older, all of these are older women who have um, had their careers. Some of them are at the end and haven't quite retired and others have retired and now are consulting or do different, doing different things like that. But, but this is an individual that while this person hasn't been a college president, they've been a number of, of vice president positions at um, different, in different institutional settings and became someone that I met long before I ever thought I would be a president who again um, was talking to me about diversifying my experiences and helping me process how I was thinking about things or how maybe I should be thinking about things. Uh, and so that person still actively engaged in my life and, and actually a very meaningful part of my life. I've got another person I think of, uh, Judy, uh, attorney, um, higher ed attorney, general counsel kind of role is someone that, again, is able to speak to me and hold me accountable to different things that I want to do. And I think of another individual that um, I've recently uh, befriended and, and is serving in a mentor type capacity for me. And that's somebody in athletics, because when I became a college president, that was a gap for me. I love sports, but I was not a student athlete and I had never been over that area. I had always, it had been tangentially related, if at all. And, um, and so I have found it very helpful to have someone who I could process ideas and help me lead in that area because it was so new for me. So did you, was your plan to become a president? No, <laughs> um, I went to college thinking honestly that I would be in some sort of ministry within the United Methodist Church and, uh, and then fell in love with college and the, the 
the, the administration of it, right? The, the mechanism, the way in which college worked. I just, I fell in love with that. I started studying what different things would be. Then I engaged with Dr. Khan. I think this is where I need to be, not within a church setting. And so we worked on diversifying my academics to get me ready for graduate school in that area. Um, we worked on, uh, had lots of conversations about whether I'd go into academia or administration. And I was probably the least cool 20 year old who said, I'm a born administrator. I feel it in my bones. <laughs> so I decided to go that route instead of following in, in something. I think Dr. Khan would have loved me to have gone a, a theologian route um, uh, and, and to get on a campus that way. Um, so I, it wasn't. And, and quite honestly, I, um, I wasn't dreaming that big for my life and uh, thought that I would probably stay within the student engagement side of the house. And um, as luck would have it, I kind of, as early on, I reached the destination that I thought I would retire with. And so that uh, was a little startling to me to realize uh, I needed to recalibrate what I was expecting and thinking. Uh, and, and I don't think I should have been in that position at such a young age, but I was. And so that then set up a number of dominoes to fall in a different way for me um, than I had anticipated. But I, um, I started to get, uh, let's see, I guess at this point I was in Tennessee working for, for an association of independent private higher education. And at that point, I started to have some presidents pull me aside and say, you can do this work. And I didn't initially catch on what they meant by you could do this job kind of comment. And, and then they would clarify. And at first I found it funny. And then as I began to share, like, you won't believe what this person told me, I, I started to get affirmation and encouragement that that was something that I should start looking for in my life at some point. And so again, with the help of mentors, as I bantered about, is that is that my dream for myself and my family? Like, what do I want to do? And how would I get ready for that? Um, you know, those steps started to, to fall into place for me. I started, well, not fall in place. I worked on it <laughs> to get yeah. it in place. Sure, sure. So um, what's, been, what's been your biggest surprise as the president? Wow. Um, That's an excellent question. I, starting in COVID is just really weird <laughs> with that question because there's a lot of surprises sure. with COVID. Um, you know, I'd worked so hard and alongside of higher ed from an association angle uh, nice. that, that a, a good bit of it hasn't surprised me. I think the, the specific to this role, um, I knew that it was going to be hard. I knew that it, and challenging and rewarding. Um, and I think probably, I mean, starting in COVID, uh, I've never worked so hard in my life. <laughs> um, and I worked really hard before. So um, I think that's been a surprise. And honestly, another huge surprise of the presidency for me, and my predecessor was really kind and wrote a letter to me. He knew me. And so he wrote a letter and I remember reading in it, uh, the statement about one of the largest adjustments that he had was the shift of work product. <laughs> so 
Um, and, and, and he cautioned that he thought this might be an issue for me. And, and I will say that was a surprise. The way in which I defined a sense of accomplishment of my job was different prior to sitting in this role, right? I was writing things, I was producing product, I was presenting, I was doing this and that. And as a college presidency, I don't do nearly all of that because there's people who do those pieces. So, so that's been a surprise and a recalibration that showing up to the meeting and listening and providing thoughtful feedback um, is my job. It's not necessarily preparing the presentation that gets presented. Sure. Does that make sense? That makes, it's just that makes, it's a really different calibration. And I yeah, was makes, very thankful to my predecessor who, again, took time to write a very thoughtful letter to me that said, this was something, and he had been a provost, and it was a shock for him. Um, and, and you suddenly, you're, you're, you're highly productive, but just in a different way. Sure. You know, that, makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, there's a number of presidents that we've interviewed that will talk about, okay, what are the key focuses? What are my goals on a day-to-day -day basis? On, on, you know, some of it is clear as day from other presidents around, well, it's fundraising and enrollment. Fundraising and enrollment, that's something that keeps presidents up at night and probably wakes them up early in the morning as well. But the other thing that we hear too is that many presidents feel that they are, you know, the president of the institution, you know, leading young men and women, student success, wanting to make sure that, that students are successful uh, on campus, but also, you know, preparing them for careers. But in addition to that, also really running an institution kind of like the mayor of your own city. Yeah, it's um, very much so. And, and if you're really fortunate, like I've been, you've got great people, right? You've got great county commissioners and, and other people that would help you run that city and, and that organization. So um, I'm, I'm very fortunate for the cabinet that I've got uh, and, and the employees and faculty that have um, helped support that mission. So I certainly, and I'm sure my, my, the presidential colleagues that you're, you're referencing would, would say the same thing. We don't do it in isolation. It's, it's not us. And because they do their work so well, that allows us to be out in the field fundraising and cultivating relationships. So you're at about a thousand students right now. Is that right? No, we're actually, um, we, COVID hit us hard. Um, so we're yeah. down. We're, we're closer to 600. Closer to 600. Okay. Where do you want to be? Uh, I'd love to be uh, at 1,200 undergrad. Um, the college has had that goal for a number of years, uh, has not obtained that yet, but has come close. Uh, I'd like to be there, and then I'd like to have a robust graduate program that would get me around 2,000 total. Mm -hmm. So why do you think that it dipped down to 600? Uh, a number of factors. We were not equipped to um, navigate the new technology that was needed in a COVID environment. So about 18% of our student population came to us through a college fair type of environment. And when those dried up, we, we were not equipped from a staffing level nor a technology level to fill in that gap of that personal touch. So we didn't have digital marketing. We didn't have um, the types of things that make it a little bit easier to communicate to students and make it less labor intensive. So we were, we were communicating, but it was a manual process. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and so uh, I think that that was impactful to us. I think also um, we, we saw a hit in, uh, you know, 43% of our population are Pell students. And uh, I think we all experienced a nervousness on the economy and what was happening. And I think when yeah. our sports seasons were truncated or didn't happen, right, in the fall yeah. of 2020, we had a number of students and parents who said, you know, I was gonna, I was gonna sacrifice to go there because they were gonna get to have the education and play and without playing, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep them out or, yeah. or move around. So um, we're, we are uh, positioned to, to perform better, but for us, um, COVID sure didn't help <laughs> the situation yeah. on our enrollment. Right, right. I'll tell you though, you know, the institution has been incredibly resilient. You know, you've been around for close to 200 years. And I've always found, you know, it's interesting because um, there've been several articles, books written about the enrollment cliff and, you know, smaller institutions closing their doors. And, and, and yes, I think there is some reality to that. However, I, in, in my own personal opinion, I feel like, um, I feel like many underestimate the resilience of, of smaller institutions, you know, I mean, because there's so many institutions that are, you know, 2000 and, and under that survive, you know, that have been around for, you know, 100 plus years. And, and so maybe can you talk a little bit about how, how are you able to do that? How's LaGrange able to do that? Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's uh, a lot of different factors. Um, and I would add to what you said about resiliency. I think small colleges can do it because they're nimble and that helps them be resilient. Um, you know, LaGrange has, I'm the 26th president since 1831. Um, we have uh, a, a long history of really thoughtful, strong leaders at this institution. So I'm humbled to stand in this, you know, this institution with that history. But we've also had a board that over the course of time took leaps of faith and made bold and courageous action. Um, I know I have certainly witnessed that in my time here, and I know that that's not unique to this moment, um, but you don't get through the Civil War. You don't get through the Spanish pandemic flu. You don't get through those real difficult times in this nation's history. The, the decision to integrate, all of these things that this institution has seen um, and, and faced, um, you know, it, it, you've, you've got to point to the leadership that you had, both at the board level and there. And then we have a wonderful community that we're around. So we're supported um, by this LaGrange College in Troop County and the local foundations that are here that have really helped uh, support this college over the years because they understand the value that we bring to this community by being here. Um, and uh, without, you know, that and you couple that with the faculty and staff, I, I think through some of the stories I hear of the, the early days, uh, we started with all females and, and the, all the efforts that went to keep these women safe. Uh, and uh, some of them are quite funny now, but uh, there was such dedication Right, and, and what, what leads through those stories is the dedication that people had to the mission. And I think um, we're affiliated with the United Methodist Church and there is certainly uh, you know, strong ties there. 
uh, that, lead, that, that push us in our mission. Um, and I think that helps keep you tethered and, and focused on where you're going mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and why you're doing what you're doing. Sure, yeah. So what is, how do you define student success? Um, that's interesting. Uh, uh, first and foremost, that the student graduates uh, and preferably from me, <laughs> from, from LaGrange College. Uh, I think uh, we have a, a measure, we actually call it the sound of success. It's a, a, a program, um, well, not really a program, but a, a opportunity that students have of ringing the chapel bell upon getting, as a senior, getting a job offer in the graduate school, and they can ring it how many ever times. And so we call it the sound of success. And that's, that's really linked to where I am because I, it, it's, uh, as I talk to parents, and I think everybody would agree, it's not just getting the degree. Um, we need that measure for us internally, but it's, it's about preparing you for that next step. Um, and, you know, we had 85% of students last year ring the bell before graduation. And so those are things that we say, well, that's the sound, that's success, because we know they're going to be able to, you know, be taxpayers, have health insurance, you know, do the things that they need to do and do it well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So uh, as you, we talked about community, we talked about LaGrange, um, and can you talk a little bit about the partnerships that you've been able to build, you know, and, and really be able to, um, you know, become and grow a community um, with local businesses or local government entities, things like that. What type of relationship does that look like and how does that foster growth at the institution? Right. Exceptionally important. And again, I started in COVID. <laughs> so <laughs> it's been um, it's been very interesting. My first year uh, was so incredibly lonely uh, because so, you know, everything was closed down virtually, you know, or and I was being super protective because I had young children and, uh, you know, just we were not going. We were being very careful. LaGrange. Uh, LaGrange does a number of things. We have a leadership council that's not our board, it's leaders from across this region, a number of them within our county that come together to help solve issues that we have, but it is also a connection to the community. So the issue they may be wrestling with is a town gown issue, for example, and how we um, bridge that gap. Um, for us, obviously in a small town, um, LaGrange has 30,000 residents. Uh, it's very important that we stay connected. So it means speaking to civic groups. It means engaging in conversation. What it hasn't meant because of COVID is a whole lot of sitting around the table breaking bread together. And that would be a key way I would have said to you in a normal time, oh, I've been eating lots of meals with people, right? Getting to know them and their stories. Um, I am fortunate because I do have children in school. And so there's been other ways that I've been able to engage the community um, through uh, whether it be the local Montessori school or other avenues, uh, travel soccer and all this other stuff that's, right. that's here, that's given me an avenue to build relationships. But through the leadership council, it, it is also a way that we can have conversations about how can we be in service. So we put a, a lot of students into service opportunities and practicums. Uh, practicum experiences. So we rely on our local businesses to place our students. And so 
that leadership council has been critical for us at building that or finding jobs. I was in, in a conversation the other night uh, at a leadership council meeting, uh, uh, my first meal with them <laughs> and, and talking through what uh, a, a, a potential opportunity for summer employment for a large group of our students. Um, and that, that would be awesome to help them uh, get, get a sense of work ethic, all of that, and, and serve this big community partner that we have in that way. So we're constantly looking at ways to refine that. 22% of the residents of Troop County are our graduates. Um, so some of that is naturally baked in because they're here and they love their alma mater. And so they run the accounting firm and you know the mayor of our city is a graduate of the college. So there's just natural opportunities where we have interns throughout um, and building other types of partnerships where it's, if it's sharing an athletic field or um, you know, a building or something like that. So there's a hist there's a long history there of those local partnerships. And of course, probably like everybody, we always want to increase that. So we're working hard at that. Sure, sure. How how are you able to? And you you just explained some of the some of the gave us some examples. But how how are you engaging um, alumni in making sure that they stay connected to the institution, but they also can help drive new students to campus? Well, um, honestly, COVID has helped in some of that regard uh, because you've always got alumni who are gonna come to homecoming, uh, but it, we opened up a series of um, Zoom type gatherings with individuals. And uh, whether it was around math majors or you know a, a particular major or a particular decade, and we did a number of virtual meetings. We did virtual book studies because we knew we had people that were bored out of their mind, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> sitting at home and, and we could provide some, you know, and we had um, lots of um, generational uh, people from different generations coming to those. So it wasn't just retired individuals, but others, again, back when we were working from home. So a good bit of that was, uh, was really good because we were able to engage people. Um, the year we had virtual homecoming, we had people from all over that never could have come. Um, we have a lecture series that we do with the community. We have a, a travel program that my predecessor and his wife began. It's a wonderful program called 3D Journeys. Uh, we bring in people who uh, want to travel as a group. Typically they travel internationally and they listen to lectures by various faculty on that, that country, some aspect of it, some cultural aspect. Um, we couldn't go anywhere last year, but we still offered the lecture series. And of course it was all offered electronically. And we saw you know, people from across uh, the country of our alum that are spread out all over who just thoroughly appreciated we were providing this educational opportunity again, right? a light in the darkness of COVID. Um, so that's some of the ways that we engage them. We have the typical, we've got a, a weekly newsletter that goes out to alumni that tries mm -hmm. to keep them connected, whether it be sporting events or some highlight, typically produce some sort of video every week that keeps them engaged to something happening here. Um, uh, and we, our faculty are very close to our students and their graduates. So there's a lot of social media following and tracking that takes place in conversations with alumni uh, that we, we do more informally through those means uh, that we hear about and are able to catch up with our alums. Yeah, well, uh, and it's so important for, you know, I, I, I love 
you know, that, that smaller, more nimble institutions. I mean, I, I really think there are so many advantages and my personal view um, over many others that, that might be larger and just um, aren't as nimble as, as they, they can be. Um, so speaking of, you know, change and the pace of change and, um, you know, technology and, you know, things just move very quickly and change happens. And so um, when we look at the job market, um, how do you make sure that you prepare a student for a job that may not exist today, you know, but will exist in five years or 10 years? Right. So when you look at, you know, a number of the surveys that are done about what employers are looking for, uh, you know, it's communication skills, critical thinking, we're all well versed right at those, um, those skills that they want to see. And, and it's not unlike what we hear from or what I've heard as I met with some employers to say, I'll teach them the specific program, right? I'll teach them the, the steps they need to take when they're here, but I need them coming in knowing all of these other things. And all the other things they point to is what is beautiful about the liberal arts, right? Um, education. So for us, um, we have an eye on workforce development and, and careers because it's important to us that our students are employable. Uh, we believe you're employable with a liberal arts degree. And, um, and that we can provide a, you know, a diverse set of experiences for students. Um, our career services, again, we, you know, we push a lot of students into internships so that they can start trying on these things they think they're interested in, right? And learn, that is not for me. <laughs> I talked to a nursing student the other day and they were like, I can, let me tell you where I won't work in a hospital ever, right? Those are valuable, <laughs> valuable teaching experiences for our students. Um, so we keep an eye to that. And then a part of being nimble is to make sure that our curriculum is staying relevant. And we, we haven't, higher ed is not, <laughs> uh, we get a little lazy and that a degree could just be the degree and it could stay the same way, the same course mm -hmm. of curriculum could stay that way for 10 years and we wouldn't bat an eye, let alone 30. Um, and what we have uh, done and what our faculty have embraced is that's not where we need to be. Yes, we're liberal arts, but we need to make sure that, um, you know, if this curriculum was, was based in, in this way, you know, let's say it was more writing intensive uh, or, or literature intensive or reading intensive than writing and what we're hearing from industries, it needs to be more writing intensive, then we have a moral obligation, we feel, to change our curriculum to meet what students are gonna need in the workplace. Of course, not separating that they need to read, right? But that we focus on the types of writing that the student needs to be doing or the type of work or the type of focus. So for us, um, it's really important to um, uh, is, it, you know, keep one eye on what the industry needs and the other on what we're doing and, and bringing faculty into those conversations on how do we stay relevant? And then how do we have the student support services that, um, can support, I mean, you talked about student success earlier, we talked about that earlier, um, and I, you know, I gave my answer to what that means to me, but what undergirds student success, like we have to make sure that that rises up to the occasion, right? And that our students have all that they need to make sure that they're prepared for that workforce. 
Um, they understand, uh, you know, and, and some of this is leading a horse to water and you hope they drink and you don't know. Um, but we, we want to say we did everything we could. You know, I can, I can hear my dad say, but you can't make them drink. And, and that's absolutely right. But we want to do everything we can so that that water sure looks good. Yeah. <laughs> and they and they are they're ready um, for for the workforce. Sure. Sure. Yeah. We always, our we graduate always school, you know, I mean, a lot of our students go to graduate school, so it's workforce and, and some students will go to one more degree to get to the workforce, but we want to prepare them. What is that next step for them? We want them there. Sure. Sure. Yeah. We oftentimes hear the, hear the phrase, meet, meet the students where they are, mm -hmm. um, which to, to your point is, Hey, the student has to drink, but gosh, do everything you can you know, flexibility wise, convenience wise to really steer the student in the right direction, probably more so than ever. Um, I, I think you're right with COVID. Um, I know that I hear at our preview days and when I happen to be walking around and, and run into a fa prospective family, um, it is not uncommon in this, uh, in this last, oh, last four months maybe that I get pulled over from a parent uh, and, and with, you know, sidebar out of earshot of the, the child saying, I don't think my kid learned online. <laughs> and I'm really concerned about what this will mean. I mean, they may have the grades, right? But I'm not sure what learning took place. And, and we hear that. And we, we have a number of initiatives that will go into place this fall um, responding to that. Um, because, you know, I think we'll all be interested in what the data shows, right, Brad? Like, is there really a learning gap in the end as we do the postmortem on COVID and what it's meant for our educational system? But the early signs are the parents' instincts are right, and we need to be equipped to serve those students. Mm -hmm. And so let's talk about the college town for a minute. I mean, I know that um, you have, uh, gosh, a number of great outdoor amenities. You know, you've got Callaway Gardens, you've got Pine Mountain, you have the Little White House. Franklin D. Roosevelt, um, the Chattahoochee River, and so um, and uh, West Point Lake. Yes. And so maybe can you talk a little bit about just the location and what a great location that is and what it means for, for students? We, um, we do have a great location. And I, I will also add, um, we've got the Ray, which is a stretch of highway that is as a national model for um, for sustainable highway systems. And so it's a great laboratory for our students and those that come to this area um, to drive on pavement made of recycled tires and to drive, you know, and, and see the sun panels on the side and the pollinators for the bees and the different stuff. So we, it's a very interesting community, um, but environmental sustainability is important. And, um, and so you've got the natural resources and then, then sandwiched on the other side of the interstate, you have this really innovative program called the Ray um, that's coming from a local a LaGrange Troop County industry that created that um, through their foundation. So uh, it's, uh, I think per capita, we've got, uh, we are the largest industrial park, someone was telling me per capita uh, for this. So we have a lot of, uh, car manufacturing and the companies that support that, as well as carpet manufacturing uh, and, uh, and batteries and different things, Duracell and you know, other companies here. So great resources for our students to have 
a wide variety of experiences and a very quaint downtown. LaGrange is located, um, you know, students believe it's too far to walk, but, but within five minutes, you could be downtown um, around just, I think, idyllic, down, revitalized downtown. And that's what you, you, you know, fountain uh, and, and a beautiful square and shops and, and a movie theater and they're, they're building housing down there. So our, we're really in a great location. Yeah, and, and, you know, that leads to my next question around, you know, differentiators. You know, I mean, the college market, uh, if you call it that, the market, it's, it is incredibly saturated. You know, there's a lot of competition out there. And so, you know, when you look at LaGrange, you know, I look at faith-based mission, you know, I look at that nimble, you know, smaller institution where, you know, you, you can get to know faculty, you can get to know more students than you would maybe at a larger you know, say public institution, but just as you mentioned too, just having that location of the town. And, and I would imagine that when students come to campus, that conversion rate and then enrolling probably, probably goes up. Um, but we, we have great curb, we have great curb appeal. And we didn't yeah. say this, but um, we're 55 minutes south of Hartsville Jackson International Airport. Oh, so we're yeah. really quite convenient, right? So you've yeah. got this small southern charming city, or you know, and 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 then with that close proximity. So for international students or others coming in, we're we're not a long way. Yeah, and talk to me a little bit more too about the differentiators. You know, why why Lagrange College? That's fascinating. We are in the midst of a strategic planning process. So my answer on the other side of that uh, will most likely be different, right? As we point to a, a new direction where we have concluded a 10-year or in the process of concluding a 10-year plan and going to put a five-year year, five year plan in place. Um, for us, we engage in a, a wide variety of high-impact practices and we do them well. And uh, while some schools do a, hand, you know, a few of them, uh, we we have we do a number of them, and we have a high percentage of, of students that have done two or more of those by the time they graduate. We'd like to see that increase to three or four, right, um, of them. But from study away to um, other, the internships and practice, all those experiences that we we embed into the college. So for us, we're you know high quality academics. We're a D three school. Uh, so we provide some uh, wonderful opportunities there for our students to continue their collegiate or their, their continue their sports career um, through college. Um, at the same time, I'm really understanding that D3 model for our students and that again, it's about the education that you're getting. The gravy is that you're, <laughs> you're getting to play and what sure. you'll learn there. Um, I, I think another differentiator and, and I know I know a lot of small colleges and probably a number of us are gonna say this, um, but we, uh, we have such caring faculty and staff. And if you get on this campus, you hear that. And uh, I, I've talked with some students that were, are considering whether to come here or not. And some of them are texting with me uh, and, and heard back, we just went somewhere else. We couldn't believe the difference in the people. So I've got some external validation for that. I feel it, uh, but I know I'm biased <laughs> uh, because I'm here and, I, and, and people are always gonna be nice to the president, but to watch that uh, and to get that feedback. So for us, I think it's the combination of 
all the work we do in high impact practices with a high academic standard for our students. And again, that customer service and, and type of experience. And while athletic competition isn't so a high impact practice, for us, a good portion of our student body are student athletes. And that's important to us that they be able to have that experience. And we think it enriches even the non-student athlete. So I, I take it you're in your office right now, is that right? I am. Okay. So behind you, I see a basketball. Yes. I see a couple of pictures. Do you have any stories related to, again, I can't see the pictures, family or basketball. Okay, so the, um, I'm loving it. Um, okay, so the, the kind of Eiffel Tower, that's a piece of student artwork that I've got oh, right. hanging up okay. from one of our, our grads, uh, Nicole Burns. Uh, love this piece. I've got different pieces of student artwork around. Uh, and because we have a, a vibrant art community here. LaGrange is is a, a quite an artsy city and we have a great art program. Um, I do have my family, uh, husband and two sons with okay. whom I could not do this job. Um, the basketball, I'm loving that you've noticed because I put that there uh, to irritate my athletic director and she's never said a word about it. Um, oh. But we had, she has started these competitions, Prez versus AD. Okay. And I won the basketball. Oh, all right. So I have quite a story about that ball. <laughs> <laughs> I am quite excited that I earned that ball. I will probably lose it next year. And she crushed me in football, but I won basketball. And I'm a North Carolinian, so I care about the basketball trophy the most. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that's, that's cool. And then just some other North Carolina artists uh, over here that, uh, well, you can't even see those, but uh, fond uh, North Carolinian and, and like that artist. Well, that's excellent. So, so on a daily basis, when you're walking across campus, do you ever pitch yourself and go, how great is it that I get to you know, work on a college campus, you know, get to see, you know, these undergrads and, uh, and, and just in a beautiful spot, beautiful place. And, uh, you know, do you ever kind of go, my goodness, I'm the president of this. How great is this? Uh, I do. <laughs> Um, I have these moments of going, I can't believe I'm in this position and, uh, and hoping that I'm up for every day of the challenge. Uh, and uh, the students are just wonderful. And uh, sometimes when they ask me for guidance and advice, I have to, uh, I pause and think, oh yeah, they think, like they'll ask me like I'm the definitive source, right? <laughs> like I'm the oracle. <laughs> and I'm like, I, you know, I brush my hair the same way you do every morning. Like, you know, uh, but yes. And, and having these moments with the students uh, and, and cheering them on and that I get to do that in this role is really, really uh, just uh, causes me, as you said, to pinch myself uh, sure. and kind of, I can't believe I'm here. So I have to mention some of the famous alums too, with okay. Dean Young, the national syndicated cartoonist of the Blondie comic strip. Yes. And uh, Dwayne Shattuck, the Emmy award-winning producer of Mad Men and Magic City, I think, believe. Um, but then you've had a number of others, you know, First Lady of Georgia, Elizabeth Carlock Harris, Terry Kay. I can go on and on. My goodness. Yes, Crow, yes. Special effects animator. So, I mean, what a rich, and again, I know I'm leaving a lot of folks out, but what a rich history of alums. It, 
I, I'm telling you, I won the jackpot as far as <laughs> institutions to come to. Uh, I mean, our location, the, con the commitment that our alum have to this place, um, you know, we, we, we transform lives and, you know, you talk to any of those successful people and you left off, right, the, 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 bill, the not the billionaires, but the, the millionaires that, we, that are graduates that got into um, development, right, and, and other types of business development. And, and they all say, I, I, they, they credit this place for where they are today. Mm -hmm. And so it makes this job so rewarding to, to listen um, to where our graduates go and, and currently go. I mean, we can say to parents, if your child is this particular major, we know where they'll go work if they say yes, because they're going to get a job offer. That's how wanted our grads are in this area. And so um, it's wonderful to have the vibrant industry, uh, whether it be healthcare or education or uh, manufacturing, where our students can go. Mm -hmm. Do you see a lot of students that are graduating high school that might be looking to go directly into a job because of the demand for employees and higher salaries and even training at, uh, you know, at a, at a, at a corporation? Um, you know, I am not aware of a student that we've lost to that. I know that I have heard stories of that happening and in Troop County, uh, we have, I think, 600 jobs right now that are not filled. Uh, and they're primarily in the manufacturing, um, so working on the plant floor. Uh, we have a, uh, a, a lovely technical college here uh, in, in this county, and, and that county is working a lot on workforce, particularly as it relates to those jobs. Um, and I know they have a number of high school students that go there and there's a high school program where the student would bypass us completely um, and go straight into the technical college into that uh, and then into a manufacturing position. Um, I, we haven't confronted that head on that I'm aware of, but that mm -hmm. that may be the case. So now um... You, you may have a different answer in several weeks when that strategic plan comes out. I'm not sure, but where do you see, where do you see LaGrange College in 10 years? Well, we will have just finished celebrating our bicentennial and, uh, and ready to launch into a 300th year of, you know, into that year of education. It's daunting uh, to think about that. Uh, we're going to, we're going to hone our ourselves over these next five years and then the, the years that will build off this strategic plan uh, and to be a vibrant liberal arts institution with a robust graduate program uh, focused on, on workforce needs mm -hmm. for this area, this region, uh, and making sure that our students have opportunities, right? Um, and again, meeting the students where they are, as we talked about, and moving them on through and to accomplish their, their dream. Well, excellent. Well, President Susanna Baxter, we really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more information on Plexus, please visit us at plexus.com forward slash solutions. That's P-L-E-X-U-S-S dot com 
forward slash solutions, or you can email us at podcast at plexus.com.